What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow us on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, on Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com. And with that being said, let's get to the content. What's up, divers? Thanks for tuning in to the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast. Today, we are going to go over the Monday night games, first off. Then I'm going to go through my starts, you know, favorite DFS plays, guys that I'm not wanting to play at all my sits, wins I'm confident in, survivor picks, defensive streamers, situations to monitor. We've got a good show coming up, and uh, we just finished the first week. First week's in the books. There was a lot, a lot of changes. We talked about most of it on Monday, the only thing that I was not able to get, or on Tuesday, I guess, is when the episode released, the only thing I was not able to get to was the Monday night games, and that was the Steelers versus the Giants and the Titans versus the Broncos. So we're going to just go over those two games real quick. In the Pittsburgh game, there's a couple things I noticed. One, Juju's back, baby! Juju is back. I had him in my top 12 before the season started, and I'm feeling pretty good about it, but also... Also, Deontay Johnson, he got a huge target share. He actually got more targets than Juju. He just didn't pull in the touchdowns. And he started off really rough. And the fact that they kept going to him after he had some bad drops in the beginning of the game, and they just kept going to him and going to him. And he started, you know, delivering. That's that's a really good sign. And I think Deontay Johnson could easily be a wide receiver three flex play every single week with upside for, you know, huge weeks because he is playing for Big Ben. Also, James Conner, he did get hurt, and we don't know how extensive that injury is, but when Benny Benny Snell came in, Benny Snell looked really good. He looked a lot better. He looked like he had more burst, was faster. I believe he lost weight, and that's probably the reason why. But yeah, he looked great in um, replacement for James Conner, and James Conner didn't look that great himself when he was in. Now, maybe he was already injured, and that's why he didn't look good, or maybe he injured himself during the game, and he just was not looking good to start with. We're not really sure about that. We don't know when the injury took place, but with that said, I am worried about James Conner, and if for some reason, for some reason, waivers have gone through at this point, if for some reason Benny Snell is on your waiver, and you know you have somebody you could drop, go grab Benny Snell. And the last thing from that game, Darius Slayton is clearly the best fantasy wide receiver in New York. Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate are way too similar. Their skill sets compete with each other. They're both possession receivers that don't go down the field much, and they're going to hurt each other. Also, Evan Ingram plays a similar role to that as well. And then you still have Saquon Barkley coming out the backfield. Part of the reason I was staying away from all of the Giants receivers, which I'm sure most of you guys have heard me say throughout this offseason, was the fact that they have never all played together. It still hasn't happened because Golden Tate was missing last game. But at this point, I think it's clear that Darius Slayton, he has the most unique skill set. He will be the guy that they go to. He is their number one. So he is the one New York Giant wide receiver that I would not mind owning in fantasy. And he also looks good. He just looks like a good receiver in general. Then we have the Tennessee and Denver game. Corey Davis... He may finally be breaking out. It took a long time, but honestly, I still don't trust it. Like, A.J. Brown was apparently dealing with some injuries, and that's part of the reason why he didn't get so many targets, and Corey Davis, you know, was able to get the workload, the share, the target share that he did. 
But I would expect him to possibly have a career year this year. Not like that's saying much. But I would expect him to have a really good year because now everybody knows about A.J. Brown. Everybody's going to be sticking and worrying about A.J. Brown, talking about the defenses. So Corey Davis is going to have a pretty good path to some targets and some some production. Because it's going to be him, John Smith, and A.J. Brown basically in the receiving game. You could sprinkle in a little Adam Humphreys, but that's pretty much it. So... In any game scripts where, you know, you think Tennessee's going to throw the ball, I, would, I wouldn't I mind taking a shot at Corey Davis. So if you have a, a deep bench and you want to add him to the end of it, I'm fine with that. Then let's talk about Noah Fant. First off, I got to say, I was shaking in my boots. I was biting my nails during that game. There was a, one of my, like, what I hold to be one of my most important leagues. I was up by 19 points with nobody left to play, and the guy I had had Noah Fant only. And at halftime, Noah Fant had 18.9. <laughs> so I thought I was done for sure. And then Noah Fant did not get one more reception the rest of the game, the entire second half, and ended up winning. And I was like even nervous looking for, uh, you know, scoring changes or, or updates or whatever the next day, adjustments. But let's talk about Noah Fant because he looks really good. And I, after that first half, I was like, man, I may have missed on Noah Fant this year because I was a little bit low on him. I wasn't like saying he's a bad pick or anything. I always saw the upside, but I didn't grab him in any leagues because there was usually guys I liked a little better than him in his range. One of them was Blake Jarwin. Unfortunately, we know how that turned out with Blake Jarwin getting injured and out for the season after tearing his ACL. But um, was it ACL or Achilles? It was one of the two. It was ACL. I think Marlon Mack was the Achilles. There's already a lot of injuries piling up. It's hard to keep track. Um, but the thing about Noah Fant that I, I have to, you know, have concerns about is one, the Broncos, they don't have to pass the ball that much. And him and Jerry Judy were pretty much the, the two passing options this week. Once Cortland Sutton comes back and Jerry Judy continues to, you know, get his footing right, because I mean, he's already got amazing footwork and all of that stuff but he's a rookie he's not going to get like a huge target share right away as a rookie wide receiver in the NFL so once he gets his footing and once Cortland Sutton comes back no fans probably not seeing as many targets as he did and he actually didn't see that much he saw like six and caught five he was just hyper efficient but honestly I wouldn't be surprised if like this week was Noah fans best week of the season I still like him what he showed us was really nice it was good he had a good game but I don't really expect him to just all of a sudden be some breakout star tight end. And then lastly, we have Melvin Gordon. How, how does his outlook shake out with Philip Lindsay receiving an injury? Let's say Lindsay misses some time because as of right now, he might play. We don't know. He might play this week. But let's say he misses time. Melvin Gordon has a very tough schedule. They, like, they're playing the Steelers this week. That's very rough. We saw how bad Barkley was. And then their next few games after that are also pretty bad. So even even if Lindsey is out, I'm worried about Melvin Gordon because, I mean, I, I liked him coming into the year. I, I still do, but not for th these next few weeks. So those are the takeaways from the two Monday night games. With that said, we got to go over the Thrifty Thursday trick. If you guys don't know it by now, what have you been doing? Drop your kicker, unless you have some elite kicker, Drop your kicker or drop, you know, some nobody that's, that might be on your bench or a defense or whatever. Like, whoever's expendable or that you think you could get back before Sunday, drop them and pick up one of these guys before Thursday. Well, before today, because this is Thursday. Auden Tate, T. Higgins, Giovanni Bernard. Because in tonight's game, 
if Auden Tate, or I mean, sorry, if AJ Green goes down, Auden Tate or T Higgins, we'll see one of them step in. It's probably going to be Auden Tate. That's why I said Auden Tate before T Higgins. If Joe Mixon goes down, Giovanni Bernard's all of a sudden going to be a great fantasy asset. So if any of those guys are on your waiver, it's, it's worth just taking a flyer on them, picking them up. And if nobody gets hurt, drop them, pick up your kicker. It's easy, easy peasy. And that's all you got to do. So that's the Thursday trick, Thrifty Thursday trick. And now I'm going to go ahead and get into some of my starts and DFS plays. Actually, before that, I kind of want to talk about this game tonight because I'm really excited. One of the things that I, you know, one of my situations to monitor, we're going to get to that segment later. But I guess since we're talking about this, you know, game today, why not bring it up now? One of the situations to monitor is how does Baker Mayfield perform versus a bad defense? Because, I mean, he looked horrible versus the Ravens, but we know the Ravens are really good. He has an opportunity, Thursday night football, everybody's watching. This is how he started his career, was a Thursday night football game versus the Jets. And, you know, when he stormed back and won that game for them after Tyrod got hurt, he's he's got that opportunity again. All eyes are going to be on him. He's playing a bad defense. He's going up against another first overall pick who also won a Heisman. And it's going to be, a, I mean, it's going to be a great, a great matchup, honestly. And I hope... Hope Baker can do well because if he doesn't do well versus this defense, the writing, it might be on the wall, guys. It really, really might be. If Baker cannot turn in a win versus the Bengals, not only if he can't turn in a win, but if he looks bad versus the Bengals, the writing might be on the wall. And um, I was low for him. I was low, really low on him, actually, for this fantasy season. But that was just because... I figured he would, you know, not pass the ball much. They have a great running game. He doesn't run the ball that much. That's the reason I was low on him, not because I think he's a bad quarterback. I actually expected him to bounce back and to be more efficient. So this is going to be the perfect, you know, game to see what Baker's all about. And also, I can't wait. I can't wait for the Boyd breakout. It's going to happen this week because Denzel Ward is going to be on A.J. Green. And Greedy Williams, if he plays, he's probably not going to be on Tyler Boyd. Even if he does, he's a rookie. So I'm not really worried about, you know, either of them. Tyler Boyd is going to be the go-to guy, I feel like. he's. Pro- he, I wouldn't be surprised if he leads the Bengals in targets. Or, you know, maybe AJ does, but I'm sure Boyd's going to get a lot of targets. And I, I can't wait for it because a lot of people were like, yo, you're the Boyd man, and he had a bad game. I was like, yeah, I know. I said he would have a bad game. This is a game where I'm not saying that. This is a game where I'm saying he's going to be good. So let's see it. Let's see it, baby. That's all I got to say about this game. Now we're going to go ahead and get back to my starts of the week, my favorite DFS plays. And this one hurts me to say. This one really hurts me to say because, I mean, last week I called it and I was right, but it's against my seasonal ranking. It's Aaron Rodgers. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to be great over the course of the whole season, I think it'll be really good, actually, especially because after writing this uh, column, I was like, man, like for the podcast, not for like a, an article or anything. I was like, man, the Packers, their schedule is actually way too easy. <laughs> like th- they're not playing that many good defenses. So Aaron Rodgers is definitely going to be better than where I ranked him in the preseason. But I don't think that he's going to be as good as everyone else ranked him because there was a significant gap between me and everybody else. So Aaron Rodgers this week versus the Lions. 
First off, the Lions don't have a good secondary. Second of all, they're missing corners. I know they're missing Desmond Trafont. He's probably not going to play. He was hurt, missed some of the game last week. And I I believe Jeff Okuda is like in question, but I'm not entirely sure. I'll have to double check that. But you know what? Actually, I'm going to double check that right now and I'll be right back. So I checked and yeah, it's what I thought. Jeff Okuda did miss week one to a hamstring and he's questionable for week two. So if they're missing... Desmond Trafont and Jeff Okuda, Aaron Rodgers is going to go nuts, all right? And honestly, in DFS, I might be stacking Rodgers and Devonta Adams again, just like last week. And yeah, that that's probably the move. Another guy I really like played the Packers last week, Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen. I think that's going to be a good stack as well versus the Colts. We just saw Gardner Minshew go 19 of 20 and shred the Colts. Why can Kirk Cousins not do the same thing, especially with Adam Thielen? So I like both of them versus the Colts a lot. Another guy I like, as I was already talking to you guys about, is Tyler Boyd because Denzel Ward's not going to be covering him, most likely, and he's going to have a great matchup versus the Browns Thursday night. And I think Burrow's going to bounce back because Burrow actually, I, I figure I'll talk about this real quick. He almost did something very amazing uh, considering everything that this offseason has been. In his first NFL game with no preseason games, no live reps versus other teams, other jerseys. He almost led his team down the field in a two-minute drill, got them to tie up the game and go into overtime where he could have sealed the win. He brought them all the way down, and I mean, most of you guys probably already know this, but the Bengals kicker whiffed. Like, from 25 yards out, he missed the game-tying field goal, and Man, you should have saw Burrow's face. He was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, that man just... He, he hasn't played in a real game in how long. And he just led them down the field like that. And it was it was a sight to see. And that's when he started going to Boyd, by the way, which is when I was talking about how, you know, Boyd didn't have a great week one, but all of a sudden, once it was clutch time, Burrow was going to Boyd. So, you know, I just wanted to say that real quick, get that out of the way too. Now, another guy I really like... Honestly, you start everybody in this game. Atlanta, Dallas. Just like I said, start all of your receivers in Atlanta, Seattle. And all of them had double digits. All of them did well last week. I'm going back to the well versus Atlanta with the Cowboys. And one of my favorite starts in DFS plays, mainly because he's going to be cheaper than Amari, is Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup is probably going to have a really good game. He didn't have the best game last week, so I expect to bounce back here versus the Falcons in what game? Uh, or in the, in the game that might hit the over. I think, man, I'm already forgetting. The over-under was super high, super high in Vegas. It's like 56 and a half, I think. Um, it might definitely hit the over, or it might be like 59. No, it's 56 and a half, I'm pretty sure. But either way, that's going to be a super, super high scoring game. And I love Michael Gallup in that game. Also, Ridley, Julio, you know, all of those guys. But Gallup is the guy I'm going to for DFS. And if you have him, he's worth a flex play um in you know regular seasonal leagues then you have david montgomery versus the giants i can't even believe i'm saying this yikes like the fact that me i am saying david montgomery is going to be a good start scares me because i'm always i have always been low on david montgomery since before he even played a, a snap in the nfl i've always been lower than consensus i still am but I mean, Benny Snell was carving up the Giants, and David Montgomery was not bad at all versus the Lions. 
So Montgomery has a chance to get a lot of carries and be efficient with them versus the Giants. And the Bears, it's pro- they're, they're going to keep it a low-scoring game. I'm not going to just go out and say the Bears are going to win this game but because I wouldn't be surprised at all if Daniel Jones, with all the weapons and Saquon Barkley, as long as he doesn't turn it over and like do a bunch of stupid stuff, I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants win. But, and I know the Giants are not favored, so that's why I'm saying that in the first place. Like Everyone thinks... You know, not everyone, but most people think the Bears are got this game in the bag. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants win. But one thing I do know is it's going to be a close game. They're going to keep it close. Montgomery's going to get plenty of carries. So I like Montgomery in DFS or in, in your flex for this week as well. Another guy I really like, he's facing the Cardinals. And let me ask you this. What were the Cardinals, like what position were you starting against the Cardinals last year? Any chance you got. It was the tight end position, right? So why not keep that trend going? Logan Thomas, he's playing the cards this year, or I mean this week. And Kittle got hurt last week at halftime, before, like right before the half, and he only played or got like one more catch in the second half. So don't look at Kittle's total and be like, ooh, they, they played Kittle pretty well and be worried. That, that wasn't the case. Kittle just got hurt. So Logan Thomas got a huge target share from Dwayne Haskins, and... Basically, that entire receiving game in Washington is Terry McLaurin, Stephen Sims, and Logan Thomas. Sprinkling a little Antonio Gibson. He hasn't gotten started yet. Um, You know, he hasn't reached that Chris Thompson level yet. I think he will. I'm not worried about uh, Antonio Gibson at all. But Logan Thomas might be a sneaky, super cheap. And that's the main reason. We're talking about DFS right here. Super cheap play versus the Cardinals. Then we have Austin Eckler and Mike Williams and Hunter Henry. Versus the Chiefs, I know. I'm going back to the well. I'm sorry. I said Tyrod and Eckler were going to be good plays versus the Bengals. And I was honestly so surprised that they were not good plays versus the Bengals. Specifically, I was upset with Tyrod. Very disappointed. But, I mean, they're playing the Chiefs now. The Chiefs, their defense is better than the Bengals. But we also know the Chiefs are going to throw up points. And they're going to do it quick. And whoever the quarterback is... They're going to be throwing the ball a lot and trying to catch up to the Chiefs. So Austin Eckler, I think he's finally going to get his, not finally as if it's been a long time, it's only been one week, but Austin Eckler's going to get his receptions. They're going to come this week versus the Chiefs. They should. And if they don't, that's something to watch. If they don't, I would start getting worried about Eckler, but I think they will. So Eckler's going to get his receptions. He got 18 carries last week, so he's getting a lot of carries, more than I expected, and I was really high on Eckler this this year. So as long as he pulls in some receptions, I'm, I think he's going to be ha- having a great game. Same with Mike Williams. Tyrod was throwing a lot of deep balls to Mike Williams. Mike Williams was doing good with them. He's probably going to be in the same situation here versus the Chiefs. And then Hunter Henry. Tyrod t- targeted Eric Ebron, not Eric Ebron, um, sorry, Charles Clay. Charles Clay, when he was in Buffalo for the three years, often and Charles Clay was pretty good for fantasy well Hunter Henry's way better than Charles Clay and I think that also if you just look at last week Hunter Henry did really good he had a good target share somebody's gonna be good in this game maybe Eckler Williams and Henry don't all hit because that means Tyrod would be hitting or if for some reason they pull out Tyrod I think it's way too early for that but if they do that and put in Herbert then that means Herbert's hitting somebody one of the quarterbacks is gonna hit for all three of them to be good so maybe all three of them aren't, but I'm willing to bet that two of these guys are going to go off between Eckler, Mike Williams, and Hunter Henry. Maybe it's Keenan Allen, but uh, I don't know. I'm not really feeling Keenan Allen as much as these other guys right now. Then we have Paris Campbell versus the Vikings. 
Paris Campbell was the leading targeted receiver for the Colts last week for the Jaguars. And Michael Pittman is not getting the kind of work that we were told he was going to get. And it turns out it was Paris Campbell. And T.Y. still has his role secure. So Paris Campbell versus the Vikings, who have a horrible secondary. Even though I'm, I don't really like Phillip Rivers, it doesn't really matter. We have good or we have bad quarterbacks produce good fantasy receivers all the time. And I think Paris Campbell's going to have a great week versus the Vikings. A depleted secondary with no starters returning from last year that Aaron Rodgers just ripped to shreds. So I like Paris Campbell a lot. And then we got two left. I know this is a big start column, but, you know, I just couldn't not put these guys on the list, you know? So we got two left. I'm going to finish with a buck. So I'm going to go for the Saint first, and that's Jared Cook versus the Raiders. Michael Thomas is out, unfortunately. That really sucks. But Jared Cook is going to be one of the guys that picks up slack. It's going to be him, Emmanuel Sanders. Traquan Smith, we know, is not a high-target type of guy. So even if he starts doing good, it's going to be like efficiency, big plays, and low targets. So Jared Cook, Emmanuel Sanders, and Alvin Kamara are probably going to get mad targets until Michael Thomas gets back. And I like Jared Cook versus the Raiders not only because of that, but um, you love the narrative. Revenge game. Jared Cook's got a revenge game versus the Raiders. Oh, you guys think Darren Waller's a tight end? You guys think he's the best Raiders tight end in the past couple of years? Oh, I'll show you. That's the attitude I expect Jared Cook to come out with. So I like him a lot in DFS in regular lineups, everything. I like Jared Cook a lot this week. Now let's talk about sits. Not nearly as many. It's a lot harder to say, hey, sit someone than it is to say, hey, play someone. And, you know, honestly, it's so early in the season to to be saying, like, calling too many sits. So that's why it's not a huge segment for me. But one sit that I'm confident in is Melvin Gordon versus the Steelers. Unless he stumbles his way into two touchdowns, he's going to have a bad week. Because the Steelers just destroyed Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley also had a bunch of receptions. Melvin Gordon's not going to be doing nearly as much in the receiving game as Saquon Barkley. I do expect him to do some, but not nearly as much. Plus, I mean, the, the Broncos are they are going to struggle. Like this, There's no way around it. I don't see, see them winning this game. I mean, maybe they do because their defense is really good. But if they win the game, it's not going to be because they're like scoring a bunch of points. It's going to be a low-scoring game. I wouldn't be surprised if this game hits the under in Vegas. And Melvin Gordon is somebody I don't want playing in any of my lineups this week versus Steelers. So he's a sit for me. Here's another guy who's not really a sit for me because he's unsittable. But I just want to talk about how you guys need to severely temper your expectations on Christian McCaffrey this week versus the Bucks. Okay, what was the outcome last week for Christian McCaffrey? Two touchdowns, a lot of stuff on the ground, almost no receiving work. Almost no receiving work. Last year, Alvin or um, last game last week, Alvin Kamara had a good game versus the Bucks. When you look at the stats, it was not from running the ball; it was from catching the ball. If they do not get Christian McCaffrey involved in the receiving game. Like he was all last year, he is going to have a very bad game versus my Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And you can even look at last year, even when he was involved in the receiving game every single game of the season. Christian McCaffrey scored seven points versus the Bucs in week three. The Bucs were the only team in the NFL to hold Christian McCaffrey under 15 points, and they held him to seven then in the, the next time that the Bucks played McCaffrey, I'm pretty sure they held him to like 18. His season average was 30. So the Bucks and they were the number one defense. <clears throat> they were the number one defense last year versus running backs 
in fantasy football. I wouldn't be surprised if they do it again or if they're very close to doing that because Kamara had 16 rushing yards on 12 carries. He was horrible in the running game. It was all receiving for Kamara. And McCaffrey didn't get a lot last week, so I'm worried about McCaffrey. I'm not playing him in DFS, definitely not, because his price is going to be high and you're going to get way better options than McCaffrey. Obviously, you have to play him in seasonal, though. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying don't. I'm not saying sit him in your seasonal lineups. Just temper your expectations. And I have him everywhere. So, like, this is coming from a Christian McCaffrey owner. Then the Dolphins wide receivers versus the Bills. I'm not touching them this week. Fitzpatrick looked horrible. They still said he's, you know, starting. Tua's not going to come in yet. And while he does let the ball rip, the Bills secondary is not the, the team you want to do that. I don't know if Tredavious White is going to stick Parker, if he's going to stick Williams, or if he's going to f- go back and forth. Last week, I thought that Stephon Gilmore was going to just stick Parker, and that's why I didn't mind playing Preston Williams. Well, Preston Williams did lead the team in targets, and I, I like his outlook for the season, but Gilmore actually was on Preston Williams a couple plays, and he was just going back and forth between the two. Tredavious White might do the same thing. He's not necessarily going to just shadow Devontae Parker. So I'm not trusting either of the Dolphins receivers. It's a tough matchup. It's a great defense. It's going to be a low-scoring game as well, so no thank you. Then Frank Gore versus the Niners. Oh, yeah, Brandon, way to be obvious. You said sit Frank Gore. Oh, great job. I'm just assuming that that's what somebody's going to say or what you just said in your head. But you'd be surprised. Some people are going to be like, oh, Le'Veon Bell's out. I kind of need somebody that's going to get some touches, and I need like a safe 10-point floor. Frank Gore's not giving you no 10-point floor. Frank Gore could get 20 carries and 30 rushing yards versus the 49ers with no, little to no receiving work and probably no touchdowns. Frank Gore, don't even take the chance. Then we have David Johnson versus the Ravens. I know he looked great, but he's got a tough matchup this week versus the Ravens, and... I'm not trusting him. I'm not. I want to see it. I want to see it more consistently. I liked the way he looked versus the Chiefs. He looked great. He's had extra long time to not that he got hurt or anything, but extra long um, time to like recover. You know, to you know, because we don't know how players are going to be affected yet. Between like from game to game to game in terms of like just being you know broken down or exhausted or whatever because they haven't been playing preseason or they haven't been doing as much activity this offseason. So, I mean, I know there's a lot of things that you could look at and be like, hey, David Johnson's probably going to be good. But I don't want to trust him at all. First, the Ravens. So no thank you there. Now let's talk about some wins I'm confident in. And one of these wins is where I'm pulling my survivor picks. The 49ers are going to murder the Jets. I am slamming the over, and it's not even close. Or not the over. Um, I'm slamming the 49ers in Vegas. They're favored by seven. I don't know how that happened. I think that's a severe overreaction to the Cardinals game. The 49ers are going to wipe the floor with the Jets. You think, like, how are they only favored by seven? That's insane. The Bucks are favored by nine and a half versus the Panthers. The Niners are only favored by seven versus the Jets. Are you guys serious? The 49ers are going to win by, like, 14 minimum. So I'm slamming, if you, if you guys do any betting there, slam the 49ers at minus seven because they're gonna beat the Jets by more than that and then um yeah so if you're if you're looking for the safe pick in survivor picks you guys know that's not the way I roll that's not how I roll I want to save the 49ers for later in the season when I need them but if you want to go that direction if you want to just be super safe and get to next week take the 49ers okay last year or I mean last I keep doing that last week I said that 
My survivor pick was the Chargers, and that's what I did. I picked the Chargers. It was a nail-biter, but we made it through, and now we got a tough team that might switch quarterbacks in any game. We don't even know when it's going to happen, and that's going to make basically all of their wins unpredictable. We got them out the way. That's what you wanted to do, okay? You want to get the teams. When you have a chance to get somebody that you can't trust down the stretch out the way now, you do it. You take the risk, and we did it last week. It worked out. I'm doing it again this week. Some of you guys might think it's risky. I think it's kind of risky. I'm not going to lie just because of, you know, the coach on the other side of the ball. But I'm going Seahawks versus the Patriots. I'm looking at all the matchups this week. And unless I'm going to waste unless I'm going to waste the 49ers now or I'm going to waste the Chiefs now or I'm going to waste the I see I wouldn't even say Saints. I wouldn't even say Saints would be wasting. They might lose to the Raiders. I wouldn't be surprised. You guys might think that's a hot take, but I'm very worried about that game. I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders beat the Saints. So I'm not touching the Saints. I mean, unless you're going to waste a really good team, you know, the Ravens versus the Texans, unless you're going to waste a good team now, then I think the Seahawks are the best bet because Seattle is one of those teams where they can lose to anybody, but they can beat anybody. They play down to their competition. Well, guess what? They're playing the Patriots. They're going to play up to the competition of the Patriots. And here's the thing. I think they match up perfectly with the Patriots because the Seahawks have, first first off, the Jamal Adams addition is amazing. That's really going to help in terms of bringing him down into the box and stopping Cam Newton from escaping. And the Seahawks have Russell Wilson. They, they know how running quarterbacks can work. The defense plays against Russell Wilson every single day, every season. So I think they're going to match up very well versus the Patriots. And Cam Newton's not the guy who can just let it rip. He's not going to, you know, just air it out to Edelman and Harry and beat the... the, If the Patriots win this game, that means that the Seahawks offense flopped. And I don't think that that's going to happen. Because between Chris Carson and Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, between those three guys, and obviously the magician himself, Mr. What is it? Mr. Unlimited. Him, you know, Russell Wilson, NFL MVP. Ooh, hot take. Um, Hopefully he's the MVP this year. I-, I would love to see that. But between those four guys on the Seahawks offense, I see no way that they flop versus the Patriots. And the Patriots are not going to just put up points against the Seahawks. I don't think that they can. And, like, they're just going to be running the crap out of Cam Newton again, just like they did versus the Dolphins. And if they trust him to just throw the ball, that'll be a mistake. So I say, I think the Seahawks pull out this win, and that's where I'm going in, in uh, my survivor pool. Because if you take the Seahawks first, like, you know, later in the season versus, like, um, I'm not looking at their schedule, so I'm just throwing out examples. But versus a team like the Bills, the Bills could easily win. The Bucks, the Bucks could win. Raiders, Raiders could win. Like, the Seahawks always play to their level of their competition, so it's kind of a scary team to pick in a, in a you know, situation or a contest like this, but this specific team, the Patriots with Cam Newton, I think they match up well. So that's why I like the Seahawks. And then another team, look, if you don't like the Jets for some reason, if you're trying to be safe and you don't like the Jets, or if you're trying to like be the middle ground between me and being safe, so you want to save the 49ers, but you don't want to take the risk of the Seahawks, then maybe look to the Bills versus the Dolphins. But I'm going to just let you guys know right now, my gut is saying to avoid that game. Like, the two games that I'm completely avoiding for the survivor picks, that that my gut is just like, Brandon, do not even touch this game. It's the Bills-Dolphins game, and it's the Saints-Raiders game. I think two, both of those games could end up surprising us. So I'm not going either of those routes. 
But honestly, when I look at the rest of the games that you can pick, like, I mean, unless you want to use the, the Chiefs or the Ravens, but I wouldn't recommend it. I want to save them for later. So that's what I'm going. My survivor pick this week, lock it in, Seahawks versus Patriots. Let's keep it rolling. Defensive streamers. Some defenses. I don't mind streaming this week. Number one, Buccaneers versus the Panthers. Like I said, the Bucs are great against running backs. They're The Panthers' offense is built around the running back. If we stop Christian McCaffrey, their offense is going to sputter. And I'm not even, like, thinking that Tom Brady is going to click in the offense right away yet. He definitely will, and the Bucks will be much better down the stretch, I think, this season than they are now and will be or will continue to be for the next couple weeks. But we don't even need the offense to click to win this game. I think the Buccaneers' defense is loaded with young talent. They're all fast. They're all hungry. And they played, I mean, honestly, I was pretty happy with the way they played versus the Saints other than, um, you know, uh, fouls, penalties, that's the word I was looking for. Um, other than penalties, the Bucks defense was pretty good versus the Saints. And penalties are something you usually can clean up in a week. So I think they're going to clean that up a little bit. And I think we'll be just fine versus the Panthers. The Panthers are not going to be able to do too much to the Bucks defense. And I wouldn't be surprised if we get a turnover or two. So, especially because we didn't get one last week versus the Saints. And the Bucks defense actually has a lot of playmakers on it now. So, I like the Bucks defense. I also like the Titans defense versus the Jaguars. It's nothing against my boy Minshew. It's more just the fact that the Titans are going to keep Minshew off the field as long as they can with Derrick Henry. And they also just have a good defense. We saw it this Monday versus the Broncos. And then lastly, my survivor pick, the Seahawks. I don't mind streaming their defense versus the Patriots, even if the Seahawks can't cause turnovers or whatever even if they lose which obviously I don't think is going to happen they're my survivor pick but even if the Seahawks lose their defense is going to be fine because the Patriots are not going to be a team at any point this year that's just throwing up points on the scoreboard so you know the only way Seahawks lose that game is like I said if their offense sputters which is nothing against their defense so I'm fine streaming any of those three obviously you have all your obvious streams but they're not really streams obvious defensive plays I would say I guess like the Bills versus the Dolphins or the 49ers versus the Jets, but those guys are likely not on your waiver. I was just trying to hit three guys that might be on your waiver, the Bucks, Titans, and Seahawks. Now let's talk about, and this is, you know, my probably my favorite segment, the situations to monitor. All right, what things are we looking to this this week that can answer questions for us in the future? My number one thing is Jonathan Taylor's usage. How many carries is he getting? And does he, this is the more important part, because I think we all agree he's going to get a lot of carries, Does he continue getting receiving work? Because if he continues getting receiving work, that's going to be completely like changing my mind on his outlook for the the season. So if he can continue getting, you know, like four receptions a game or something like that, that would be insane. You know, then he would be in like the 60s on the season or low 70s. So if he's in that range, that would be sick. So that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm monitoring for the Colts. Also, CMC's receiving work. We talked about it earlier. It's very important, especially this week versus the Bucks. Are they going to start getting him involved? Because that would be a huge mistake if they don't. Then Eckler's receiving work versus Kansas City. They're going to be behind. Are they going to start throwing to Eckler? We need to know. Also, on the other side of the ball in the same game, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Is he going to start getting more receiving work this week? Look, I'm not worried about Clyde at all in his receiving work. It's going to come. I just want to see if it comes now because we want it to come as soon as possible. Then another thing to watch, Brady's learning of the system. Is Tom Brady going to pick up the system fast, or is it going to take him, uh, you know, three, four more weeks? As a Bucks fan, hopefully he picks it up this, you know, the, and during this week, during practice, and can come out firing versus the, 
versus the Panthers. But, you know, maybe he doesn't. So that's really important to see the outlook on Mike Evans, on Chris Godwin. You know, oh, oh my goodness. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. We totally did not talk about my buck. That was the start of the week. Um, I'm pretty sure after Jared Cook, I just continued on. Ronald Jones versus the Panthers. Guys, he got all of the touches. Ronald Jones got all of the touches versus the Saints, and he did good with them. He had the most you know, yards per touch. He looked pretty good. It's a really good run defense that the Saints have. Ronald Jones was not making any mistakes. He didn't get pulled out for making any, like missing a pass block or dropping a ball or anything like that. He looked really good. Leonard Fournette also looked okay, but he wasn't as good per touch. And he only got like seven touches and McCoy only got one touch. So Ronald Jones, maybe he's not going to be great all season, but he's going to go off versus the Panthers because Jacobs just shredded the Panthers, and I think Ronald Jones will do good as well. And there's a possibility I talked about that, but I, for some reason, I feel like I skipped it. Back to the situations to monitor. I already talked about Baker versus bad defense. Here's one that's going to be kind of interesting. If Kittle misses this week, will Jordan Reed be back to fantasy relevance? Are we going to be like, hey, Jordan Reed's there? Um, I don't even know if most people realize he's a 49er, but he is. So maybe if Kittle misses the game, maybe Jordan Reed is somebody I'm throwing in my flex for super, super cheap in a DFS lineup. Then what about the Dolphins running back splits? Uh, Was it just a fluke? Is Gaskin really their lead running back? And if he is, is Matt Breda at least going to get involved in the receiving work? There's a lot of questions there, so I'm keeping my eye on that. Then what about Royce Freeman? Is he going to get involved with Philip Lindsay being hurt? Whether whether Lindsay is out, declared out for the game or not, are they going to get Royce Freeman involved? Then we have Minshew versus a tough defense. Minshew, you know, he shredded the Colts last week, but how's he going to play versus the Titans? If Minshew can turn in a good game versus the Titans, he's a play every single week the rest of the season. If he, you know, does okay, then he's still just as good as I think he is. If he has a really bad game, then I'll be like, all right, so he's going to be just matchup dependent, which is fine. He could still be a really good quarterback that's matchup dependent. Um, we've had plenty of quarterbacks finish top 12 that have been matchup dependent in the past. Then Malcolm Brown versus Cam Akers. Brown clearly looked better than Akers Sunday night versus the Cowboys. But the question is, are they going to just roll with him now or are they still going to force feed Cam Akers because that's the guy they clearly want to be the dude. Malcolm Brown looked way better than Cam Akers and they still gave Cam Akers like 14 carries. So I think they're trying to get him rolling. He's probably just nervous as a rookie overthinking stuff because he didn't look as good as he did in college, but I'm sure it was just, you know, a one game thing. There was a couple people that looked like that. What about the Eagles tight end battle? Is Goddard taking over? Is Goddard the number one now? That's something to watch. The Washington running back splits. Is Antonio Gibson going to get some more work than Peyton Barber? Because he's clearly way better. He's by far the best running back in that backfield. I don't think anybody can dispute that. And also, is he going to get a couple more targets? Because he only had two, I think, last week. Is he going to get a couple more? Deshaun, is he an every week start versus the Ravens? Let's see if he sputters, if, if he has a tough time versus the Ravens. Because I told you guys, when he runs the ball... This is another team that has practice versus a running uh, running quarterback in Lamar Jackson. Deshaun Watson, if he does not look down the field when he runs out the pocket, then he might not be a, a you know somebody that you can trust week to week. So that's important to, to watch. And then we got two more. Chris Carson, how many rushes does he get? Carlos Hyde got more rushes than him. Maybe it was just game script. Maybe it was, 
you know, that they were using Carson a lot in the receiving game. Whatever the case may be, I just want to see Chris Carson's workload mainly in terms of how many carries he gets. And then lastly, who steps up in Michael Thomas's absence? He's going to miss a couple weeks. Like I to- told you guys already, I believe I know the answer to that already. I'm sure most of you guys agree. Between it just being Jared Cook, Emmanuel Sanders, Alvin Kamara, I don't think there's anybody that's going to just show up and be like, whoa, who's this guy? You know, like somebody that's going to surprise us. Traquan Smith might have a big play or two, but it's, he's not going to get a lot of targets. So that's pretty much what I got or what I think is going to happen there. But those are the situations to monitor coming into this week. I will give you guys the answers to those questions on Tuesday's podcast after the week is over. And that, that pretty much wraps it up for me. I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Remember, leave me a rating and review if you enjoy it. Reach out to a friend. Every friend that you reach out to really helps me out. I'm trying to grow my listeners a little bit. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Good luck this week on your fantasy matchups. And also to your NFL team, unless they're playing the Bucks, Then I hope they lose. Peace.